Hello there, and welcome back to The War on Our Stars, a Star Wars Expanded Universe Book Club podcast. I'm Dianoga Leader. I'm joined by Dianoga 4. It's Grace. General Kenobi. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, it's me, Grace. Uh, We're talking about Star Wars. Yeah, we read a book about Star Wars. Is 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 it about Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it is, but it is about a war in the stars. Well, they're, I mean, yes, but they're all in. Well, that's not true. I, I was about to say they're all on one planet the whole time, but they actually do go to another planet in the book. They do go to one other planet for one chapter. Yeah, it's very funny. A lot of this book is like Michael Stagpole writing some bullshit. And then realizing, oh, this is a rogue squad. We have to have space battles. Like, it's actually, like, important. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then they go do something that doesn't matter so they can have a little space battle. Yeah. Just to remind you. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, we do the five-sentence summary uh, for these books. But you told me that you've written a summary? Well, I, I, I have a five-sentence summary right here. I, I wrote, Oh, you, you pre-wrote it. I pre-wrote it. I'm refreshing. Wow, okay. Um, <laughs> that said, it does come with a bit of disclaimer. A lot of stuff mm-hmm. happens in this book, and like 95% of it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> so if you read it along with us, and you're like, wait, what about X? Like, I think we'll, we'll get to it. Um, anyway, here, here we go. Uh, while Corrin Horn is secretly in prison, fending off brainwashing attempts and trying to find a way to, way to escape, the lawyer Twi'lek acts as accused murderer's Tycho's defense. As Rogue Squadron goes on random missions that don't matter, the trial and counter-revolutionary attacks from Imperial forces, um, Tycho's trial to be specific, threaten to destabilize the fragile Republic. Corrin escapes the prison, discovers his Jedi ancestry, and proves Tycho's innocence. The prison which ended up being a superstar destroyer buried underneath Coruscant, emerges and escapes with the real spy, Erisi. In defiance of orders, Rogue Squadron quit the rebellion to focus their efforts on claiming revenge against the de facto Empress to imprison their friend. You did skip the first half of the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because all that happens from, like, 32 on in this 40 cha- 41 chapter book. Uh, which is impressive, because the preceding chapters really don't matter that much. Yeah, it's, um... I mean, there's a lot of trial stuff, right? Which ends up not mattering because, um... The trial just gets thrown out. Yeah. Well, because, like, you know, Corrin Horn shows up, so the whole thing is like, oh, he's alive. And then he's like, hey, I have all these Imperial records that show who the spy is. <laughs> you know? So it yeah, kind of just no ends. <laughs> Tycho Selchu can't be the murderer of Corrin Horn because Corrin Horn is alive and well, ladies. Yes, yeah. Um, he's got a lightsaber now. He's got a <laughs> fucking lightsaber now. And um, and then there's a lot of like inter. I kind of gestured at it, but like the imperial criminal elements, of course, on having little squabbles. Um, and that also doesn't really matter, but it's there. It matters a little bit in the end because there's a. F- there's a sequence of chapters where they just constantly turn on each other and like sabotage each other one after the other. And it's very funny. Yes. <laughs> it's also weird because like, um, 
every book in the series has felt like it is building towards a sequel. Like, and it's supposed, I mean, Mm -hmm. like it's very, it's very like Marvel cinematic universe, uh, storytelling in that way. Um, and I'm trying to figure out like how to, and so, but it's weird because it feels like so many threads that felt important in previous books just get dropped in this one. You know? The Krynos virus is basically cured. Yeah. Well, but there's a whole thing where, like, I, I don't remember who, but it's like, ah, it's not as bad as it could have been. It's actually kind of working out. <laughs> yeah, we're doing good, and now we've got Rilke along right. with Baxter. Yes, I forgot all about that. Um, Yeah, they go to... Uh, who, who's... They go to Ryloth. Yes, they go to Ryloth. Twilight planet. Yeah. And... Wedge does some posturing as a warrior to the other warrior, and then they get supplies. Right. And that lets them, because Wedge has also been working with the, like, I'm trying, what this guy is, but he, oh, he's also, he's from the Bacta planet, right? He's like a fish person from the Bacta planet. Is that what this is? He's like the guy who's working on the cure? Or is he a bug bug person? A bug person. Um, He's a Vradix. Yes. Okay. Um, And so... They've been working on the cure on the condition that, like, Wedge will basically, like, allow them sovereignty from the Bacta families who, like, rule and control the planet. Who are, like, cap- cap- colonizer capitalists, basically. Um, I mean, the book's not... I mean, to be clear, it's not like the book is really about yeah. that. <laughs> but that is kind of there, or, like, gestured at, I guess. It is a fact, but it's not a theme. No. Yeah. Um, well, at some point it establishes also, that, like, capitalism isn't working properly, and that's why there's a back-to shortage. Like, that's, like, it's like, oh, there's not <laughs> enough competition on the market, so <laughs> that's why there's no back to. <sighs> the whole thing with, like, oh, I there's so many places I want to go now, because the whole scene on Ryloth is, like, very odd. Um, mm-hmm. The... Here, I'm just going to... It's most appropriate right now. Um, So, Wedge is on Ryloth, and he's doing the thing. Let me just read this excerpt. And there's a there's a Twi'lek dancer, you know? Because there's always a Twi'lek dancer in Star Wars. It's what they're known for. They're all This is dancers. the Twi'lek dancer. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I'm just going to read this paragraph. She is spectacular. Wedge could not deny that he found her dance exciting and even stimulating, but that bothered him just a bit. By seeing her as being so seductive and beautiful and reacting to her on a physiological level, it was very easy for him to forget that she was a living, thinking creature that made it deceptively simple for him to see how Imperials found objectifying and dehumanizing other races justifiable. If they seem like animals or appeal to you on an animal level, clearly, they are animals. You okay, Wedge? <laughs> Wedge is so horny that he does a fascism uh, here. He's like, damn, I understand why people oppress. <laughs> now, I mean, to to be fair, um, to be exceedingly generous, obviously there is a relationship between, like, colonial power and fetishization, right? Mm-hmm. That's absolutely 100% a thing. I do not think that is what is happening right here. I don't think... 
Michael A. Stackpole knows the word fetishization. <laughs> well, I mean, we you know, we know he has fetishes. That's true. <laughs> um, there are mo- many chapters in this book dedicated to Corin Horn getting MC femdomed. There really are, because yeah, also the first half of the book, like Corn Horn's just getting like tortured, but he's too cool and powerful for anything bad to happen to him. So he loves his friends. He loves his friends so much. He's just a real stand-up guy, and he makes promises and he fulfills them. Damn. I wish that were me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't, I'm trying to feel like if there's any... I guess we should talk about, like, written lore and his, like... Because this also continues the theme yeah. of, like, criminals being, like, biologically distrust, untrustworthy, terrible people. Um, who will betray you? What's Curtin Lore up to in this game? In this game? This isn't a game. <laughs> it's a book. I mean, it has the writing of one, I feel like. but um, Yeah, we'll get to that in a bit when we get to the ending of this, because I got some... I got a couple bones to pick. <laughs> I got some... So, um, so Curtin Lore is in charge of, like, the counter... Revolutionary forces on Coruscant. The Palpatine counter insurgency insurgency front. Yeah, front. That's right. Um, one of the funniest parts. So the book opens on Corin Horn's funeral, and at some point it cuts to Kirtan Lore's uh, POV, and Lore's like, "I have laced all these bombs throughout." the <laughs> without the like stadium where they're having the funeral and i could just blow like a significant portion of the rebel leadership and <laughs> and rogue squadron to hell right now but i won't <laughs> no that's not what my mistress would want <laughs> well it's also like something that's like it's not strategically sound and i'm just like bro what do you mean i don't understand <laughs> I think it would be pretty strategically sound to kill Wedge Antilles. Yeah. Like, on multiple levels, I feel like. Anyway. Um, and But it's also a sense of, like, he's like, it wouldn't be sporting, I guess. Like, that's part of it. Because, like, Kieran yeah. Lore gets some weird, like, I am an imperial man of honor stuff in this book. Um, because it's weird. Yeah. So he starts working with, I can't remember the alien guy's name, the criminal from Kessel. Do you remember? Uh, he's he was not uh alien. He was the oh. former moth, Vori Fleru. Yeah, I Fleary think that's right. Vor- yes, Vor- Fleury Voru. I think that is something like that. Grogu, Grogu, Star Wars. Um, Fleury Voru. A famed Corellian human male who served as politician and criminal underlord. What is an underlord? I don't know. Ask, uh... Underlord was the highest title for Black Sun leader. No, shut up! That's like an actual title? Underlord, and later Prince Shizor, when he won this title during competition with Caird, though he was more commonly known as the Dark Prince. Underlord may also have been the title given to all leaders of the criminal syndicate. <laughs> Underlord was also a title of the highest rank within the Darkwalkers criminal organization on Naboo. 
the Dark Walkers? The Dark Walkers were one of the many criminal gangs that infested Naboo during the Galactic Civil War. Oh, God. Okay, they're so, from hmm. the trading cards. So, oh, they're from the trading cards? Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, Star Wars Galaxy trading cards. Okay, I guess that makes sense how that comes about. Because I, <laughs> I feel like, I mean, yeah, the implication that it's like, oh, the Republic falls, and then this, like, extraordinarily wealthy, like, European novelty-coded planet, um, like, descends into criminal violence has some... I don't know. Uh, it's bad. Um, uh, they seemed to be Star Wars Galaxies stuff right they might um, have appeared in the mmo and then uh shown up in the card game yeah that makes sense well also like you need enemies to fight on naboo when you go there so you get the you get those guys i guess do you need enemies well to fight on naboo i mean you could just fight stormtroopers i guess um or whatever classic i don't know but but some people are stormtroopers, you know, in in galaxies. I don't know how that game works. <laughs> I know like nothing. But anyway, about it. um, so Fleury uh, Voru, Fleury Voru, has basically like agreed to work security forces for the. I mean, the new government, the new republic, um, and like Admiral Akbar is like, I don't like this because he's right about everything, um, and then Fleury Voru immediately this- like, basically like signs a deal makes a deal with Critten lore that he's like okay like i'll pick targets for you and we can like coexist and like help build power to like topple the new republic later um there's a lot of hand-wringing about like oh we really don't want to use imperial infrastructure but i yeah. guess we have to and yeah. we don't like we don't like I think it's Wedge, maybe, who's uncomfortable knowing that all of these clerks in all these different positions of, of bureaucracy were yes. like, oh, yeah, you you serve the Republic, and then you serve the Empire, and now you serve us. Like, you don't care as long as you're getting paid. Right. It's, like, it's, it's just weird, because it never, like, comes to a point. No. Well, I, I think it's... Maybe, maybe, you know, this is also part of the problem, is, like... Each of these books' themes is by the next book, right? Like, it's all structured in a way that it's supposed to, like, hook you into, like, what the story of the next book is going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, for me, like, it completely doesn't work, but it also makes for, like, very, like, deeply unsatisfying novels um, because it feels like the setup from each thing doesn't carry over. So it's possible that this will, like, come up in some way. Right. But I, but I think that's like one of the weird things that I think it's like at least partially unintentional, but like the way the rebellion and the empire are written are so similar fundamentally. Like it does not mm-hmm. feel like there is a, like if you want to like drill down, like what are the political changes the Republic are bringing? You know, it's all like catchwords. It's all like, oh, we're bringing freedom. We're bringing this kind of stuff. And like, obviously, the, the Kratos virus is bad, but it's like. There's so much hand-wringing also about how, like, oh, we aren't racist towards aliens, right? Like, we're not anti-alien. We're, like, humans are great, and there's this isn't actually a problem. It's like, well, clearly it is a problem, <laughs> you know? Like, we, <laughs> if they're making a virus, then, like, to kill people, 
certain kind of people like yeah that's that's a problem you know and so i it's just yeah like there's just no it's not that there's no ideology but it is very brain empty well the thing about it is that like the new republic as a structure can't be racist because the rebel leaders aren't racist right what made the empire racist was not the decision to be racist or was specifically the decision to be racist, not anything else. There's no structure underlying why, right? Yeah. Like the human supremacist empire was human supremacist. It's just they decided to be right, and well, we decided that's not also to be. Like, I mean, yes, like you're right. That is like the book's attitude towards it, but that's ridiculous because we spend so much time in like this book and the last book in like quote unquote the slums where all the aliens live. Right? Like, you were drawing on mm-hmm. very specific imagery of, like, you know, um, segregation and, like, racist power structures, right? And then it's like, no, that's not actually a thing. <laughs> right? That's not. It doesn't work like that. And it's like, clearly it does, right? You were pulling on all this stuff. Um, yeah. Nightmarish. <sighs> also, um, like, the 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 part where, like... Every galactic leader that we see in Star Wars is a human. Yes. Even in new canon, when we have the High Republic, 230-some-odd years before the movies, she's a human. Yeah. The Valorum was a human. Palpatine was a human. Mon Mothma's a human. Like, right. Well, where I think, did that come from? I think, you know, the thing... This is also something that's weird um, about, like, adapting this stuff into books because like it's a lot when you're making a movie especially a movie that is like you know um like star wars the the new hope wasn't a low budget movie but it wasn't like the highest budget movie either right Mm -hmm. there's a reason why you have like one big scene where all the aliens are right and then you just have human characters for basically the rest of the movie (laughs) right because it's expensive to make do makeup and to do all that stuff right um, mm-hmm. and then it feels like they're importing that into the ideology of the empire and like the novels when it's very clearly like a practical element of like filmmaking. Right. There's also like the element of like when you are wearing a ton of makeup and when you were doing this kind of stuff, right. It's harder to emote. It's harder to be like uh, a presence that feels like emotional and grounded and like human for lack of a better word. Right. Like, that will connect with the yeah. audience. And so, like, there's really mm-hmm. practical reasons why the main characters in Star Wars are humans. It's because of, like, they're making movies, right? Yeah. Um, but in a book, you have the freedom to, like, work through that stuff, which this, like, kind of does, but really also does not, right? And and also, you're making movies for 10-year-olds. Yeah. Yes. Like, it's different if it's aimed at a different crowd and like you have the goofy alien right but if it's the thing that star wars is you have to have all the characters speak clearly for the children yeah and so Mm -hmm. you can't have the you can have admiral akbar but you can't have seven admiral akbars right yeah Mm -hmm. no i think that makes sense one it's all it's also like um and that's also the the weird thing about these x-wing books is like even though I, I mean, I think they're like fundamentally sort of like fanboyish and just like silly and bad oh, yeah. in a way that feels like childish, right? They are books for adults, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think they're books for teens. I guess that's right. Yeah. Um, and that, I don't know because like there's like a fondness for the movies, 
but the movies were like a decade prior. Yes. And yeah. so it does feel like it's trying to be for kids, but also for, you know, older people who saw the movies in yeah. the early 80s when they were out. Right. I, I definitely think that's true. And like, I don't think it's like, it's not like, I don't think a teen should read this book <laughs> or whatever. Right. <laughs> but it's like, I, I think there is an element of it that is like pinpointed at people who like those movies. Right. Mm-hmm. And the way, especially the way they're like mythologized, like Porkins is like this, like, yeah, you know, this like important. There's a specter haunting Rogue Squadron, <laughs> the specter of Porkins. Right, exactly. It's like, like, but there, there are specifically branded books in Star Wars for teens and for young people. Yeah, mm-hmm. these, as far as I know, have never been marketed as YA. I think these are just supposed to be books. Yeah, but I think there is a way that like. I mean, there's a tension there, too, because, like, if Star Wars is on the label, you was- you could probably assume that kids are going to read it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have... So they talk about sex, but they don't talk about sex. Yes, yes. And, like, there's not really... People don't swear in these novels, really, <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, that's right. Yeah. They say blast, maybe. Right. And so that's, like... Uh, but but the thing is, I feel like when, when Michael Strinkle's, like, sitting down to write this... I think the the uh, the the reader he is imagining is an adult fan, right? And obviously he's mm-hmm. still conscious of those other readers, right? But that's like who this is for. Um, yeah, in a way that I think actually like makes it worse actively, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think that a lot of the Star Wars notes are soured by how they are used in in these books yeah like i was just talking earlier when we were recording export about mistborn about how there's a second series of mistborn that happens 300 years after the first like trilogy of books and the characters and plot lines of those books have passed into sort of a mythological status by the time of the second series but like the way that brandon writes that is like totally different from the pure respect that Michael A. Stackpole has for George Lucas. It's like, yeah. it's, it is nowhere near like this. It's just like, Oh yeah, that street's named after that guy who, who died 200 years ago. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's, that's like it, sort of the, the thing is like when something becomes history and, or becomes myth, it becomes like distorted and there's no yeah. like, I mean, I guess just the scene where Wedge is like, damn, this Imperial propaganda sure is interesting and cool, huh? (laughs) (laughs) But there's no, like, there's not an interest in, like, Star Wars as a narrative that is, that is, that has already happened and that people are, like, interacting and have different relationships with. It is, like, a set of facts, of, like, legendary facts about the world that structure all Mm -hmm. the characters' decision-making, right? Like, it's just really, um, the relationship to that is, like, really, really shallow, and I think that's also part of the the thing. And I I, I mean, I feel like uh, Jackson kind of addresses the last episode is that like there's no interest in like anything that's connected to the real world that is in Star Wars, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. the, you know the the like scene where the Millennium Falcon's fleeing from the Death Star is like taken from like World War Two movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was sort of the the 
you know, the like model that stuff was based on. Obviously, like there's the the parallel with like the Viet Cong and, and the Vietnam War that's going on, right? Um, right. And this, these are novels that are completely devoid of like any sort of resemblance to like real world things. It is all like references within references within references, right? And that's like what yeah. this is, I guess, on some level. And that's in some ways like what Force Awakens is, right? Is it's like <laughs> a story about you know? So I like I, I understand how you get there, but it is also it's weird that like you feel how much like the massive respect quote unquote that he has for George Lucas, but also is like completely uninterested in like what those movies actually are and what their inspirations are. Right. right. He doesn't care about how it got here. He cares that he has it and it's his. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like and he I, likes it. You know, I would bet money that Michael Stackpole's never seen a Kurosawa movie. Right. Probably not. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I mean, these are sort of known, like the phrase Star Wars Top Gun is thrown around on the wiki. And I think maybe Stackpole intended that yeah. comparison mm-hmm. but i haven't seen top gun but i've heard that it's not like this i yeah so i haven't seen top gun either um also like yeah if this was going to be top gun it have to be like 200 percent gayer right <laughs> which this is like and there's obviously like a lot of like homosocial relationships like the book's mostly about men that's about men being friends yeah. and that like carries with it some but i don't know i just don't feel there's no like homoerotic tension in these books at all <laughs> no there's no yeah. tension yeah there's no well, yeah that's i mean that's also part of the thing is that like that respect shows itself <laughs> with this weird way where like um everyone every one of the main characters has to be cool and not make mistakes right um and that's also anything bad that happens to corin is because of bad people yeah it's because of somebody else and it's also like not it's all temporary and corin's able to outwit it right um, yeah. So I, I've been reading this book, um, Unbroken, which is a nonfiction book about uh, POW in Tokyo, World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this guy, like, I mean, I, I don't know. This book is, like, weird, and I, I I don't know how I feel about its relationship with, like, you with the U.S. as, like, an imperial project and, like, and Japan as mm-hmm. an imperial project, right? I feel like it doesn't quite have the political awareness to like really dig through that but this is like a person who's really strong like a a incredibly like smart and capable person who is you know put into really desperate situations and relentlessly hurt and like tortured and does not come out on the other side of that breezy and good right like it is Mm -hmm. these are this is a real human being and obviously it's you know it's nonfiction, right but that's one of the things is like it's not like there aren't stories of people being in pow camps that you could draw from with corn horn you know but he's just so cool like, and good that he gets out of the prison and it's fine like it just doesn't matter he, you know he's the only one who ever figured out that they were secretly upside down the whole time due to artificial gravity yeah yeah but like it doesn't even have to be serious like you know no not at all george lucas took from older things to to inspire star wars what if half of this book had been like a riff on hogan's heroes where corin is like a prisoner in at lusanka lusanka yeah you could absolutely do something like that right well that's and that's and there kind of is that because there is like he meets a few of the people who are in the prison there's this imperial officer former imperial officer Mm -hmm. who's there who's trying to get in on corn horn to like you know 
make things right with the Empire. And there's, like, this sage guy who's, like, the oldest dude in the prison who's, like, the leader, de facto leader. Um, But there's not really any internal politics there. And there's not, like, buffoonery or, like, even really camaraderie. It's just, like, Corrin Horn being cool and then leaving um, with, you know, with a little help, with a little assistance. But it's just not. The old guy gets to be badass. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. helps him kill uh, uh, Derrico. Yes, yeah. But, like... Those people only exist to serve the function of informing Corrin about the prison. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not, to be clear, so, I'm not asking this to be like a harrowing mm-hmm. book about being in the Empire prison or whatever. Obviously, that's like, sure. I don't want that from Star Wars, <laughs> you know, but the like, also, there like, are this... things you could draw from there, right? Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. Uh, I was just thinking, like, what if this was a Clone Wars novel and all the guards were goofy droids? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Well, that's actually the thing is, like, um, like there's a couple episodes in Rebel Season 1 where um, uh, Kanan, no, not Kanan, the, Ezra is the main character of that show, um, is, like, undercover in Imperial Flight Academy and stuff like that. Um, yeah and like it's it's goofy and silly and like you know that show has like problems but like there's real tension there that happens and like they Mm -hmm. defect and like i don't know it's just like that's a show that really gets what's appealing i think about these original movies in a way that this just doesn't and so like that's i think a, a maybe more illuminating comparison right because it's like obviously working in the same space and doing a lot of the same things but like ezra's kind of and this is also the thing Ezra's kind of a fuck-up, and so are, like, Luke and Han, right? Like, Luke and Han are such fuck-ups, and that's what's fun about those movies and those stories, right? The huge part. I think Luke is not as much of a fuck-up, but Han is definitely Han's a fuck-up. Han's such a fuck-up, yes. No, Luke Luke is more competent, but also he's just, like, young and inexperienced, right? Um, yeah. You know. Um, he's just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's just dumb and gay. <laughs> Can relate. <laughs> um, uh, I love Luke Skywalker. Me too. Most of the time. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's how Star Wars is. <laughs> you gotta sort of like, oh. <laughs> gonna forget about everyone owning droids here. Just gonna like compartmentalize that. And then... Yep. Um, hey, also, they fixed M-Tray. Oh, yeah, they did, I guess. They fixed M-Tray so that he doesn't shut down when you say shut up three times. Because uh, that was a ploy used by Kraken to test if Tycho Selchu was actually a traitor oh, or not. Oh, that's right. I forgot the whole time Kraken knew that Tycho wasn't a traitor is like a thing that's... Who's like the, Kraken, to be clear, is like the lead of like the... The rebel CIA, basically. <laughs> uh, what is this one? The Kratos trap. Yes. Um, uh, like I'm just looking at this list of characters. Okay, Did wait. Did we get introduced to? Uh, I don't feel. I feel like he's maybe mentioned in the first two, but he's like more of a presence in this than he is in either of those for sure it might be that he's introduced here um because there was a whole paragraph no because pash kraken joined the squad last book to replace 
one of the two or three. Oh, people. that's right. That's right. Okay, I remember that now. Yeah. So I think Wedge uh, oh, has a conversation with him in book two. It's, uh, yeah. Um, also, it's, uh, looking at Pash Kraken's page, his first appearance was in The Last Command. Oh. Which is the third part of the Thrawn trilogy? Yes. This is also something like Jackson had foresight here about the Thrawn trilogy, which I did read parts of as a kid, but don't remember anything about. Um, so, you know. I'm sure there's connections there, but I don't know what they are. Uh, one of the funniest parts of this book to me is when, so lore kind of introduces Kraken when he's talking about like his plan and he's like, Kraken's agents are like on, on, on my back, whatever. <laughs> it turns out like, so Kraken is spelled with a C right. And he's like, Oh, but my mm-hmm. agents love to call him Kraken with a K as a nickname. Damn. <laughs> we also have two new squad members. Yes. Yes, we do. We have uh, we have um, Aesir Salar. Yes, the Bothan. Who is um, Gavin's? Yeah, Bothan the Bothan girl. GF Crystal from Star Fox. Crystal from uh, Star Fox. Yes, and she's dating Gavin. Yes. Uh, and then we have Ineri Forge, sister to. Lejane Forge, the first rogue to be killed and the one most like an actual rogue. Uh, um, okay. I does she do anything in this book? I don't remember her. <laughs> she does not appear in this book. <laughs> She's present in the sense that Rogue Squadron is present. Right. But yeah. like does Ural do anything in this book? Does Rasati Yinner do anything in this book? Yeah. No, but yeah. Ugh. Even Wedge doesn't really do anything in this book. And he has more chapters than any of these people. Yeah, no, I mean, he... I guess, let's see, Gavin goes to a party with his GF, and some Bothans are sharp with him. And he's And he doesn't start a fight. He doesn't start a fight. Ugh. Um, but also, uh, I'm looking at Acer here. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't say anything here, but I just, every time it comes up, I remember that Gavin is 17. Yeah. Yes. Oh, he was also, 16 in the last books. It's implied that they've had sex also. Like, it's yes. one of the, like, first they fucking in the, um, yeah, no, it's, it's weird. I don't really know. It's, it's weird because they're both are just written like adults and it's like. Stackpole just reached for the number sixteen. Is like that's a young, that's a young guy. Yeah, to to be a, a starfighter pilot in the most like prestigious squadron in the entire new government. Yes, yeah. And didn't really think about the fact that he was not writing a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's no. seventeen now, but right. No, it's 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 yeah, it's weird. I don't like. They're all they're all ambiguously twenty four. It seems like yeah, except Wedge, who is ambiguously thirty eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Well, it's just well, it's, that's sort of the thing is like, like that's also within Rogue Squadron. Like all these sort of tensions get ironed out. Like that's that's one of the like the big one of the subplots with um, a seer, this Bothan lady, is that 
she's like being asked by the boffins to like report on rogue squadron stuff and basically he asked you to spy on me didn't he yeah and then she you know basically like refuses and throws in with rogue squadron by the end there's like you know a yep. couple more beats there but it's like every sort of differentiating mm. factor that separates these characters from other characters or gives them conflict is like flattened the instant they enter the squadron right um yeah like there was never any tension between the two back to people no there wasn't and that's like between that's like potentially interesting and... right yeah um and you know in like the back to war we're gonna get oh this one's the good back to person right as opposed to erisic yeah. the bad back to person <laughs> you know um erisy delaret is the traitor yes um, i've known this for two whole books yes it's fucking yeah obvious, it's so obvious. and also i got spoiled on it uh but like many things in these books, this is revealed to us in passing yeah. after the fact. Yeah, it's like, oh, the tractor beam of the Super Star Destroyer that came out of Coruscant um, was uh, pulled her in. And so, you know, and also, like, it doesn't reveal that she's the traitor when um, Corrin is, like, looking through the records. You're just like, oh, it's not Tycho. Well, like, who is it? And that's like, oh, Tycho was, had used his cop brain to figure it out <laughs> and then it just keeps going Doesn't yeah tell you and then Eresi like gets captured quote-unquote by the superstar destroyer lusankia which was underground and then just pulled up and blasted its way out and killed millions of people in order to escape yes um which a thing we will later see in star wars episode 9 the rise of skywalker when that happens but like a thousand times <laughs> right. on a desert like on a deserted world <laughs> Yeah. Um, here's but what I will say. Anyway. Oh, go ahead, Dora. Sorry. The, they don't say that she's the traitor until like two chapters later in a very calm discussion between Kraken and Akbar and Corin while they watch the Superstar Destroyer leave. They're well, like, oh, yeah, also, it, was, it was her. That's also one of the things, though, is that like her being the traitor like doesn't matter. You know? No. Because like she hasn't been a character since, like, a book and a half ago. Yeah, well, and then also, like, like the one time Rogue Squadron has ever suffered consequences is because, like, the Bothans fucked up, right? <laughs> like, it's yeah. it's so... And, like, that's the thing, is, like, reading that first book, which I, like, kind of enjoyed, right? Like, had an alright time with. Um, I was like, it's actually cool that they're willing to, like, kill off as many characters. Like, even though they're kind of no-name people, you know, it's neat. But, like, the it's just, like... If that was, that would be, it would be so much more interesting if that was happening, like, every book. If it was about being in an armed conflict, <laughs> right? Where, like, people are dying yeah. all the time, you know? Um, But it's just... If only, like, nothing can really be attributed to Eresy. Yeah. Except, like, maybe that first raid on their camp where they killed Lujane... And the the first Bothan pilot in their squad. Right, 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 right. Like, right. there's nothing that she's actually done personally to them that they can, like, yell at her for revenge while flying against her the next book. I mean, to be fair, Which sucks. she does, like, I think it is implied that she, you know, rigged Corrin's uh, ship to fall. So they she could did do her. that. Right, but, like, that doesn't matter, but actually. That doesn't matter anymore. There yeah. will not be any lasting consequence. Yeah, because and that's of that, actually the thing. For... Like, I think. Oh, sorry, I, I, I keep interrupting you. 
No, it's fine. The only consequence of that is actually good because Corrin stumbled into a Jedi museum on his way out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Gets a cool lightsaber and Luke at the dinner party in the book is like, hey, come be a Jedi. And Corrin's like, no, I'm too cool for that. I got to be with my boys in Rogue Squadron. <laughs> uh, I can't talk about Luke Skywalker yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. But So the thing I want to say, I guess, that I was earlier is that like, I think I like this book a little bit more than the last one. Um, if only because this actually, I think, has a couple interesting ideas. Like the first scene with Corrin Horn in the prison is like him running a simulation where he's like fighting Rogue Squadron, right? And he's like thrilled yeah. to be flying, right? And kind of doesn't care who he's flying against until the point where like his noble brain kicks in, right? Um, but the idea that like Corrin Horn, what makes Corrin Horn like an effective member of the rebellion is would also make him an effective member of the empire is like interesting and like very revealing towards like what the book is about, you know, or what like, the attitude of these books about the rebel and the empire. There's also a moment where Wedge is like, oh, soldiers have more in common with each other than like either side, you know? Yeah. Right. And that feels like Which a consistent is like... thing. That's not quite class consciousness. <laughs> no. Well, but that's one of the things, though, is that, like, the criminals are not part of that, right? They're bad. They're right. evil, right? There's no, like, there's no solidarity that you can have with people from Kessel, right? Right. You know. Because just the, their their violence is unlawful. Yeah. Like, there's no state behind that violence, so it's illegitimate. I mean, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is, like, the rebels are also illegitimate, like, you know, right? But the book is, like, not, you know, it's, yeah. Because it's the thing is, like, if you, you know, if you want to, like, understand, like, you know, actual revolutionary movements, um, you know, the incarcerated have, like, a vital role in that. Or, like, a, you know, there is, like, a theory of how you engage with people who are imprisoned, right as part of like a revolutionary movement or as part of like you know active militia like revolutionary conflict right um mm -hmm. and that's like an avenue for like recruitment right and like there is just no like they kind i guess they do that in the last book but they're genetically evil and bad and the rebels can't see that they're too soft right <laughs> you know mm -hmm. and so it's, yeah it's just really like grim the way that like even the gestures at like an interesting politics of like class or like, you know, um, indigenous settler conflict is just completely erased by every, like every sort of depiction of those conflicts in this book. It just doesn't, you know, it's all about the cops, ver the cool cops versus the bad cops. Right. Yeah. And also, Wedge is so cool because he's always allowing the TIE fighter pilots they fight against to surrender. Yeah. He's um, just such an honorable, like, general. Yeah, well, I mean, and I think you can, like, I, I just feel like, it just feels like I'm not necessarily opposed to people surrendering and being allowed to live. But obviously. the way it's, it's shown it's, is, yeah. like, they have they share a nod across the battlefield and they're like, yeah... We're just doing our jobs. Yeah. It's okay. We trust you. We know that you're also soldiers. And we know that we would do the same to you if if we were reversed. Right. It's like, um, is there really no difference between 
rebellion or republic soldiers and imperial soldiers there, I mean, there really, really isn't yeah no ideological difference between them well that's also like the the thing with like lore in this book so there's a scene where um i'm i'm not forgetting the Karelian guy's evil criminal guy's name um but he flary voru yeah, i think that's right yeah voru he's like we're gonna target a school <laughs> you know because he's the criminal evil guy and that's what like cause lore defects in this book and then gets shot because he doesn't matter <laughs> um, <laughs> he doesn't matter if he's not an antagonist he's not an antagonist yeah it's so because i really thought they were like building to something with him and then he just dies in this book very unceremoniously well if he stayed alive and corin was also alive there would be too much tension it would be too interesting yeah and it would interfere with Koran's Jedi journey that he's about to go on because he'd want revenge. <laughs> yes. And that would just be too much character conflict to have in X-Wing. Yeah. Um, so, but like, that's such a weird moment to me where like, Lore has like stood by and let this virus happen that's killing millions of people, right? Even though it's like kind of under control by the end of this book. Um, you know, it's... It's, like, bad. And Lore's, like, fine with that. Kieran Lore's like, yeah, that's great. That's. I mean, cool. he thinks it's gross. And yeah. he, he doesn't think of it as his problem because Derricot is doing it. Right. But that's the thing is it is your problem, dude. Like, you are direct. You know, and that's sort of the thing is, like, he he's obviously, like, bad. And the, the end of the novel as he dies is, like, dying thoughts are, like, I wasted my life, basically. I was no good to anyone, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and so it's not like the book's like, oh, Lore is like this no, but he's like, he gets this nobility. He gets to be a noble fascist where all the criminals are just like unambiguously evil. Right. They're just like horrific, you know, because they yeah, break he, the law. His last thoughts as he's dying are like, just like a parting nod to the, to how Corin actually had some wisdom in him. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like, and the, the, I mean, it's, it's similar to what you're talking about, like the nod across spaceships. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Because that's what men do when they respect each other. They give a nod. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's the thing is it's just like, yeah, it's really hard for there to be like any kind of emotional stakes. Like the, the story where Corrin Horn gets converted to the Empire and fights against them is way, 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 way more interesting. Right? Yeah. But like that can't happen. You know? Or even the it one can. Rogue You can write anything. To, yeah. What? Sorry. <laughs> You can write anything. You can. You really can. <sighs> yeah. It's just and that and I also think that like the final image of the Super Star Destroyer emerging from Coruscant, like destroying all these buildings, like that's a that's a good image. Like it has a really yeah. neat sense of scale, right? It's They say millions died. Yeah. Which is hilarious because <laughs> They don't act like it. They certainly do not. No. Well, just death does it. I think this is maybe a Star Wars problem generally, you know. Um, but because the same thing happens mm-hmm. in like Force Awakens and even New Hope to some degree is like a major sort of planetary catastrophe happens where like you know millions of people are dead and then the movie kind of like keeps moving on, you know. That's gonna be very funny when we get to the Jedi Academy trilogy and we um have that happen, but on a scale of like. A hundred or a hundred thousand times that. Oh my god! What if you could? What if you could take out entire systems? Oh, that's right. I remember. I read the first one of those books. Oh god. Ah, if if you kill trillions and then you say you're sorry, it's okay. 
damn. I guess I didn't get to the I'm sorry part. Um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, like yeah. I I think it's like obviously world building. It's and there's also a part where I'm trying to remember. I think it's Corin who's like talking about. Oh, they must have like leveled this part of the city, and then like you know built the star destroyer underground and then rebuilt it on top, which also would like displace or kill a bunch of people. And so they like must have like yeah. brainwashed people. And the thing is like, yeah, that's like that's really dark in a way that like is interesting, I guess. Or like is like, oh, the Empire's bad, but it's also like not it's just like a passing like a world building remark, right? Yeah, it's just like, oh yes, I did think about how this got here. Yeah. Thank you, reader. Don't don't write don't, me. Yeah, don't write me an email. Yeah, well it's also It was like, another war crime. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's also, the thing is, it's also, like, the way, I guess this is maybe the only way the Empire is differentiated from the Rebels, is that it's, like, these cartoonish acts of, like, extreme violence, right? Yeah. Um, But even then, it just feels so weightless, right? It just doesn't, I, yeah, it doesn't work. Um, I think these books aren't very good. <laughs> pretty bad, yeah. Uh, we're three out of nine so far oh my god i'm so i'm, I'm i hope i'm gonna confession i'm hopping off this train like if, if, you know if you want to have me on Damn. again before the nine is up i will read that book i'm not reading another uh-huh. book <laughs> i'm not reading nine of these books god speak i'm to hoping you, <laughs> here's 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 where here's where i'm at with regards to this series we only have one more stack pole book oh okay the rest of uh, no, we have another one later. I think like seven. Oh right, might be okay. a stack pole. But like we're gonna get a change pretty soon. Like this arc is going to come to a close with the next one, the Back to War. Um, going back to and war. then there will be a bunch of new characters. There's gonna be a new author. Like I assume that Isard won't die because there's a later book called Isard's Revenge. But right. This section of story will be over, and I'm hoping for a little bit of a paradigm shift when uh, we get to Wraith Squadron, which I have been I have been given uh, the phrase Wraith Squadron is a cooler rogue squadron that fucks as like, <laughs> that's all I know about it. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Which is weird because Gavin fucks. And Noara Ven Fox. So, you um, know. Can we... Uh, wedge... Hmm? Sorry, I just think about how often the, like, purity and goodness of these men is revealed in them, like, refusing to have sex with women. I was going to point out how many times Wedge declines an offer to fuck. Yes, yeah. <laughs> or who, at times, he, like... He goes to ask this girl out, and then he's like, no, I'm not really asking her. It's fine. Oh yeah, that's right. And then she's married. I forgot about that part. And then she's like, "Oh hey, here's my husband." By the way. Oh yeah, who's an imperial spy? I forgot all about that. He's a brainwashed imperial spy like everyone else from Lusankia, and his goal is to kill Derekot. And he thinks he sees him, and it's actually Curtin Lore. Yes. Yeah. I. We could. Do you want to break down the Alderaan incident in this book? Because. I don't, because there's so many parts to this. Oh, I I don't even know if I can, so, honestly. 
There's a convoy of Bacta coming from Ryloth oh. to Alderaan to Coruscant. Right, yes. Um, Rogue Squadron is going to meet it at Alderaan and, on, like, quote-unquote, by accident, and then offer to escort it to Coruscant. Yes. But Curtin Lore gets the information from Aracy Delara, who's <laughs> oh, the spy. Wait, can I make... And he's like, ah... Do I immediately forward this to Isard, or do I act on it myself? And I think I will act on it myself. I will claim the Bacta for my own, and uh, use that to, and you know, get more power and wealth for myself, so that I can soon be independent of Isard. And, uh. Also, I'll use a fake rogue squadron to to blow up the... I, I have a fake rogue squadron that I'm going to use to blow up the convoy. Yeah, I got all these X-Wings and warehouses. And that's what my plan is. But then, what actually happens is that Warlord Singe who is this guy who keeps getting talked about in passing throughout all of these books. Yes, yeah. He also got it the information from Iceheart. Oh, right, God, yes. And okay. he did blow up the convoy, like Lure would have originally done, but he also blew up Lure's fake rogue squadron, and all three of them are making moves against each other here. Yes. And it's very complicated and stupid. <laughs> what also doesn't matter, like, there's a reason I didn't bring any of that up in my summary. Yeah. Or, like, even earlier on, right? Like, it just doesn't matter. It I, doesn't, doesn't matter. I want to make one note about it, though. Um, so, uh, Isard basically sends Lore, like, an email um, with an attachment file that has, like, the information about the convoy the back to convoy in it the file is entitled target dot die <laughs> i forgot about that yeah target dot die consciousness dot dad <laughs> very similar <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay two more things okay one so we knew from the last book that in the galactic museum the upper floors had Jedi stuff, and they were closed off. Yes. And also, when Corrin escapes from the Sankya, he comes through a mansion that has a Jedi museum, but it's a different Jedi museum? I think so. I, I think... I think it's kind of implied that it's like the Emperor's personal collection, right? Because then he doesn't it him like scratching out the eyes of the statues, yeah, and stuff, yeah. right? So it's like his sort of twisted memorial to the Jedi, to him exterminating yeah. the Jedi. And then he finds a lightsaber and a hologram of a guy who looks maybe a little bit like his dad as a kid hanging out with a Jedi. Yes. Uh, and he immediately uses the lightsaber in a fight, and it's super sick because you know, he's, he's cool. Yeah. His his moves suck ass, 
his moves are I'm gonna swing with my arm outstretched and if you're in the way fuck you I guess yeah. and then the other one is oh I think I hear somebody on, on the other side of this wall slice <laughs> <laughs> this is me playing a Star Wars game um I <laughs> sorry I'm just laughing about because when he hears like some people coming to investigate in the museum he like hides with a bunch of mannequins that are in there and the guy's like, you know, shining the flashlight. He's like, hey, this guy's got a face. The corner was like, yeah, I got a face, and I'd like to keep it. And then, like, slices off his arm or whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's it's God, like, I. You can do anything in a book. You can do anything in a book. But it's also like, this isn't even cool. Like, there's nothing about this that is cool at all. You could have You could have written a better setup for a better one liner. Yeah. Um, and then the final chapter, there's an award ceremony where they, they, they make their saving throw and say, actually, we weren't like being jerked around this whole time. We actually knew the whole time that Psycho Selchu was innocent. This whole trial was a covert operation to draw Imperial agents out. And actually, Selchu is even more of a patriot for withstanding all of the... (laughs) vicious uh media reports about him and yeah, the, the ways that we have tarnished his name and actually he's he's the coolest guy in <laughs> fact uh and then at like the reception for this award ceremony who should walk into our <laughs> podcast for the first time but Luke Skywalker, or maybe someone who just really looks like Luke Skywalker. There's not a single line of dialogue in this chapter that I can imagine Mark Hamill saying. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know that I could write Luke Skywalker, but I can tell that this is not Luke Skywalker. Yes. No, it's... He's also a cool cop. Yes, he's a, he's a cool cop. Yeah. He, he doesn't say don't when he can say do not as an example like <laughs> that's the kind of character luke skywalker is in this book <laughs> yeah he mm-hmm. fucking quotes yoda <laughs> oh yes he does god it's like as my master said there is no try one does or one does not and it's just it's not luke it's, it's not luke he's not this is like four years after return of the jedi yeah six maybe like he should still be young yeah I, he doesn't act like it i mean i think this is also something um like he's two years younger than wedge yeah i don't know if i have as like strong a take here i thought that whole sequence mm. like that whole sequence is just there to like gas corn up to be like, yeah, not only is he the right. greatest starfighter, he's a cool Jedi too, right? It's so fucking funny because Luke just immediately unravels this weird, convoluted reveal about his parentage. Yes, yeah. Well, that's also without like, any information. This is also, I guess, something I wanted to address because, like, I, I understand how you get the idea that like parentage is important to be a Jedi from, you know, the Empire Strikes Back, right? What is revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, that, I don't know. I guess I just don't take Star Wars so literally. Because, like, to me, that reveals so, like, emotional. 
it's so charged in a specific way, right? It's not like a reveal about how being a Jedi works. That if like you were a cool and powerful Jedi, so is your dad or so is your granddad, right? Or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? And then the fact that it's been like taken that way and carried off that way by like so many people who have Star Wars is genuinely perplexing to me. Like you could just have Cornhorn find a lightsaber and realize that his like precognitive powers had something more to it. Yeah. Hey, there is foreshadowing here. Yeah. Because in the previous scene, he's hiding in this cupboard and he's chanting in his mind there's no one here there's no one here there's no one here and then the stormtrooper opens the cupboard and looks in half of it doesn't look in the half he's in and says no it's clear it's like that is so obviously an accidental jedi mind trick right yeah for sure like and you can like, just have that start to happen. He's always had this intuition. He's talked about it in every fucking book. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You can just start to reveal that this character's intuition is more than that. Yeah. It doesn't have to come with also your dad, your your granddad, or your adopted granddad, whatever the fuck. I didn't really <laughs> care. Yeah. At that point, I was like, Luke, why are you doing this? Do you have a PowerPoint? <laughs> Like, did you graph this out so that we'd know that actually Corrin uh, does have the Jedi background on his character sheet? Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, no, it's just... And that's just the thing is, like... You know, um, something I like... Like, particularly A New Hope, um, something that's very cool about that movie is how suggestive it is about the world and what it is, right? That there's a lot of, like, implications made through, you know, through world building, like, very slight amounts of world building through, like, Mm -hmm. the way everything is made, the sets and stuff. And I just don't understand going into a Star Wars project and deciding that you have to be really literal about it, right? When, like, the thing itself is, like, mythic and suggestive, you know? And this is just this is part of part of this is just this is how I interact with Star Wars, right? Like my the way I stay a fan of Star Wars is to like think about it in a very particular way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so you know, but and maybe it is unfair of me to put those kinds of expectations, but it is also like it's just weird to read something where like every level of it is interested in idea of Star Wars that to me is doesn't really exist and is completely uninteresting, right? Like, I don't even know mm-hmm. if that's true of Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> you know? I'm not that movie's terrible. It's fucking bad. But, like, there is at least, like, stuff in that where I'm like, oh, yeah, I, you know, that's a Star Wars that I can understand. <sighs> there are whole swaths of that movie that are built around, like, oh, we had an idea for, like, a funny quip, and now we will write a scenario to make the <laughs> quip yes, happen. Yeah. Which kind of feels, I mean, hey, that's that's the... I yes, I have a face. You know, huh? That's also yes, I have a face. The corn horn one liner. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So yeah. Uh, anything else um, on this on this book? Well, I t- I took notes. Or do we do we launch it out the airlock? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think we should launch out the airlock very soon. Um. Oh, yeah, that's also one of the things is, like, the fact that, like, the criminal, like, leads this sort of police force 
Um, you know, that's obviously bad. Like citizen policing, any idea of like the police being something other than like the cops is terrible. Um, mm-hmm. that, I mean, yeah, that just extends some of the stuff we already talked about. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. I think we addressed everything I wanted to address. We got an email from M. Uh, so, okay. Rogue Squadron seems like a flop. You got to restructure the ideas of books about fighter pilots. That's the only part you have to keep. And how do you make this good? Also, why is the response to May the Force be with you not and also with you? Is this just the Protestant upbringing in me? I guess. Well, I, guess. I don't know. Uh, the um, I was also raised Protestant, but mm-hmm. that doesn't... Wait, what is Protestant? <laughs> um, Protestant's kind of broad because it's basically like anything that isn't Orthodox or Catholicism. Right. Right. Okay, that's um, what I thought, and then I was like, "Wait, is that a specific thing, or is that just the one?" The other I mean, it book? is. You know, it comes out of like specific traditions, and like there's, uh, there's like, you know, there's some contest because like Mormonism, for example, might be like, "Oh, we're we're like at least Protestant adjacent," where I think a lot of Protestants would say, "No, you're not. That's not like." Yeah, I was I was I was brought up Church of Christ, which is uh, not like we would never. No one said anything like this where I grew up. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, but what if you restructure the ideas of books about fighter pilots? How do you make it better? Um, so I think, I mean, the first thing is you, yeah, I don't know. There's just a lot of stuff that we talked about. And this is like, it, it feels a little bit like write a book that's good. But like have <laughs> have character conflict, right? Like have people who have like different coming into like with different assumptions about how this is going to work. And have there be, like, real friction between them, right? You've got, like, a tight group idea. of people that are in, like, mm. de- desperate circumstances. Like, build drama out of that, for God's sakes. You know? Also, you have six characters, not 12. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you make it the scale. If you're not going to use them, don't put them in the book. Um, Just have six cool fighters. Um. They could be two teams of three or three teams of two, whatever is most dramatically appropriate. Yeah. Um. Have the yeah have the have there be character conflicts and tensions and like maybe write better action scenes in the ships. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that normal people can read it and understand what's happening. Yeah. Well, I think one of the other things is like. Have the Repu- like the rebellion have an ideology, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that like is really concrete and well defined, and have the characters interact with that, right? Because like, because yeah. also you're you're part of a small cell of something that has like, you know, and then you can like build interesting material tensions, like you know, what if you know one of the characters is an imperial defectant, and like the other members of the squad like don't trust him, right, or whatever, right? Yeah, and. Yeah, there's all there's just all kinds of things you can build there once you like have established, hey, this is what the perspective of the broader organization is, and this is what each person in, in that like in this little section of it thinks and reacts to that, you know, then you have like a yeah, like, real story. You know, I heard Rogue Six used to fly ties. Yeah. And then that becomes one, former Imperial, two surviving 
being a TIE fighter is a lot. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. They don't have shields. They're going down <laughs> left and right. Yeah. So he's got to be pretty good. Right. Well, I think, yeah, like, and that's also one of the things is, like, you want to build, I think, character backstories that feel, like, provocative, but also, um, like, not just, like, oh, Cornhorn is this extra cool cop who, like, did all this cool stuff. Or, like, maybe, yeah, like, maybe, um, you know, what if Cornhorn had a bad relationship with his father, right? What if Cornhorn's father's the cop who, like, did, you know, insists on, like, referring to the Imperials because they make the order of law and like Cornhorn finally can't stomach anymore and leaves. Right. There, That's like, a, yeah. that's a story. Right. <laughs> you know? And like, then you have sort of him dealing with like his past as like, you know, with his like being in this family of cops, right. Or whatever. And then also sort of trying to like build something new for himself in this rebellion. That's also like constantly shifting and where all the people he's close to like might die. Right. You know, um, and also, what if he didn't just was too cool and left the cops? What if he got fired? What if something bad happened? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <sighs> Keep Gavin. He's neat. Yeah. He's just he's just trying. What if to Gavin? What if Gavin was the one who's force sensitive? Yeah. Maybe he will be. But it's also f- funny that Wedge is, for one thing, jealous. Of Corin being yes. like offered this place as a Jedi, uh-huh. and two, like just saying, I really just don't understand what makes somebody a Jedi. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, I don't know what he has that I don't. <laughs> Oof, yeah. Um, I also think I think I would also make a rule. This is like I wouldn't want to have Jedi characters like Force sensitive characters, or at least like explicitly like get recruited by Luke Skywalker characters, right? Um right. like if there was some like I might I yeah, I maybe would do a rogue one thing where like one of them is a religious person, right? Um Yeah. And maybe maybe you have stuff I, there, I can't, right? I can't believe you would write a religious character. Damn, I can't, yeah. But, you know, um but yeah, but like I mean, you do the you do the Han Solo Luke Skywalker thing where Han Solo's like I don't believe in that shit, right? <laughs> and like yeah. like that's that's interest that's character conflict right in like, like a- here i'll give you your six characters right now leader aloof ace the like haphazard or like the like uh the rude one yeah who's kind of messy mm-hmm. and then you have like the new kid and the femme fatale and like the tech person yeah all, and all of these, like, the femme fatale can also just be a twink. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not gendering this. I'm just reaching for, like, sexy. Yeah. Sexy guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I also uh, like the idea of, like, like the new pilot has a crush on that guy, right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, you can easily imagine a scene where, like, they're, like, in the shop working on the X-Wings and, you know, the guy, like, takes his shirt off and it's, like, oil on his, like, huge biceps or whatever, right? <laughs> like, it's just, like, yeah. Writes itself. You know. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of stuff more generally because, like, I don't... And this is also tough because this isn't, like, the sector of Star Wars that I'm, like, interested in writing about, right? Like, if I were to write mm-hmm. fan fiction, you know, or something like that, I don't think I would do it about fighter pilots, even though I, like, understand why someone would right it's not like a Mm this it's just not the like exact avenue um 
But I think that all those things are yeah. like the basics that I would want to implement, right? Like when I chose to start with Rogue Squadron, it wasn't because or X Wing. It wasn't because I'd read them and liked them before. It wasn't because I like the idea necessarily. It's like this seems like pretty popular. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about it, and they're pretty short. So I'm like, <laughs> this should be a nice smooth entry into like star wars fandom brain yes so i can understand this part of the star wars that i'd never seen before right because like the the books of the 90s were not books that i read yeah so unfortunately i don't like these books <laughs> yeah I, I like them fine the second half is always better than the first half yes in every book mm-hmm. yeah um, sure. it's just like Sometimes it's a struggle to motivate myself to read the book. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I had the same, uh, there's... I had the same thing. It was like, I, I read a lot less this month because I was like, God damn it. I have to read another. I read two X-Wing books this month. I've got to read another <laughs> one. <laughs> I want to read a book that's it's, good. It's just me. like, <laughs> you know, the bullshit that's in here that isn't my kind of bullshit. Yeah. And the, I forgot what I was going to say, but like, the the parts that are bad aren't the parts that are going to get me to laugh and yell into the microphone about them being bad. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. There's no like I can't believe Luke Skywalker got possessed by Ben Kenobi to fight Darth Vader in a swamp. Yeah, or something like that. Um, which just makes this like very mundane series in the middle of. A franchise about space wizards <laughs> yeah and we will come back to the mundanity at times because we'll do like the 501st stuff at some yeah. point mm-hmm. well, and the, other things like well that. no and the thing is i it's just like i yeah like i like stories in star wars about this okay this is about the smaller people and stuff like that but it just has to have like stakes in a way that makes sense right which these books just don't yeah um, these could be way better and i like i know that there are new canon books about fighter pilots yeah like there's the alphabet squad series mm-hmm. yes yeah that as far as i know people like i'd like to hope that those are better than these yeah who knows oh the speaking of which the, the one thing i would add to something i really like about rebels is that you have uh lothal like the planet that all the characters are from as sort of like yeah as sort of like a a central stakes that is you know like constantly reintroduced throughout the series that like it's like we want to go back to the fall and free it from the empire right i think i would want something like that where you have like and this book kind of these books kind of try to do that with like Hurton lore being this like shadow in the you know who's going to be the antagonist but then he just dies in this book and it doesn't matter right like i i just want there to be like someone in the squad has like deeply personal stakes you know and relates to the mission in a very particular way that creates like character conflict mm-hmm. with them and the wider organization right i think this is all stuff that rebels does really well um and i think would be easy to do something cool with here yeah um but that's uh that's the that's the email we got this time yeah as always, you can send in emails to dianogasquadron at gmail.com. Uh, Grace, if somebody's locking on on your six, gonna, <laughs> um, gonna get you in their targeting computer, where would they go online? Um, it's uh, Grace underscore machine on Twitter. 
uh, my blogs at graceinthemachine.com. You can also find me writing at Pace Magazine and uppercutcrit.com. Um, nice. What about uh, what about the lightsaber? Uh, the lightsaber color. You, you tell me. Um, hmm. I did forget about that part. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, say. What, uh, would you? Uh, a sickly mm-hmm. teal, like a weird greenish a blue. S- Ooh. Okay. If that if that qualifies as a lightsaber color, I guess. But, sure. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm gonna say. I mean, Corin's is a silver. Like, fuck silver. off, God. Shut the fuck up, Michael Stack. I think. <laughs> I think that's true. Uh, that sucks. I hate that. All right. Right here, let me let me double check. Okay. I'm <laughs> sure don't want to misinform the people about the color of Cornhorn's lightsaber. Go chapter thirty-six. A silvery white shaft of light. Mm. Mm. I don't like that. I don't care for it. I think it's bad. Uh well, you can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora. Find stuff I do at NoraBlake.online. This podcast is on the Export Audio Podcast Network, which you can support at patreon.com slash exportaudio or exportaud.io. You can find lots of other shows on our network, like um, Hot Singles, which is the uh, the music podcast that Autumn and Regs do. You can listen to We Are the Champions, the League of Legends lore criticism podcast yeah. that i do with olivia mm-hmm. uh you can listen to export audio itself which is always a delight you can listen to ghost divers an anime podcast you can listen to rush jet radio a full franchise Mega Man retrospective podcast there's all sorts of things over there yeah it's all good if you're too. a patron you get bonus podcasts too like import audio or duo lane or the sports thing that autumn does I don't remember what that's I don't called. remember what it's called. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm not um, into basketball on him. We will be back next time with the Back to War. Uh, until next time, kill the Jedi in your head. Kill the Jedi in your head. <laughs>